October 10th is Indigenous Peoples Day, a holiday honoring the past, present, and future of Native peoples across the country. It's a day intended for reflection on the impact of colonialism on Indigenous communities, while also celebrating cultures, resilience, and more. This observance has become a replacement for Columbus Day, which was meant to celebrate Christopher Columbus, who sailed with a crew from Spain in three ships, the Nina, Pinta, and Santa Maria in 1492. If you head over to West Cortland Avenue in Milwaukee, you're gonna be met with a beautiful green, vast park. The trees are turning color to beautiful hues of yellow and orange. The air feels a bit cleaner and crisp. But if you're strolling through, you might not know that this park used to be named Columbus Park. But in 2019, it was renamed to Indigenous Peoples Park to honor Indigenous groups in Milwaukee County. This is one of the many efforts our city is making to make our city more inclusive. Our parks are not the only things changing. Another change comes from our universities. Let's look at Marquette University and Marquette's past identity with their previous university seal, a device used to authenticate documents. In the past, the seal had in it Jacques Marquette and he is seen standing upright in a canoe, pointing the way forward for a Native American guide who is sitting in the boat. The Native American guide's face is turned away from the viewer as he rows. And earlier this year, because of efforts made from student activists, the new seal replaced has a landscape that honors land and waterways on which the university and the city resides, as well as the Native American people who live in the region to this day. This is Uniquely Milwaukee. It's everything you love about community stories, but more in depth. Giving the stories the time and attention they deserve. Changing perspective one episode at a time. I'm your host, Salam Fatayed, and this is Uniquely Milwaukee. Stories that stick with you. I spoke with Tara Dolly, a PhD professor of languages, literature, and cultures at Marquette University. And she is also the co-director of Center for Race, Ethnics, and Indigenous Studies. She is currently in Bolivia for sabbatical. So we've arranged a time to virtually meet and discuss Indigenous Peoples Day in relations to our city. Tara, let's get straight to the point with this one. In your opinion, why is it important for people to celebrate Indigenous Peoples Day? Well, I think it's very important for people in Milwaukee, but also elsewhere, um, to recognize the long history of Indigenous peoples you know, in the Americas long before Americo Vespucci and Christopher Columbus arrived. And so I think recognizing that what was discovery for Europeans was actually not. It was not a discovery. It was land that had been lived on for centuries previous, no, by indigenous peoples. And so it's kind of recognizing both that that past and that colonial past that needs to be worked through, and then also recognizing the presence, right, the continued presence of indigenous peoples on our lands. Yeah, I know you're the co-director of the Center of Race, Ethnics, and Indigenous Studies at Marquette. Is this something that's talked about frequently with students or with faculty members? What's the conversation looking like for that? So I've been at Marquette now for seven years, um, and prior to my arrival to the institution, there were a lot of faculty who preceded me um, who were advocating for a program you know, in race, ethnic, and indigenous studies. And a lot of the faculty's concerns were that students 
who were from underrepresented groups were not getting the curricular offerings that they wanted and, and deserved. And so I think especially in the last five years, I would say a lot of the student activists, you know, the Native American student group, a lot of the Black Student Council, they have really pushed you know, the administrators for this center. And so Marquette is going through, you know, some growing pains with really, I think, reconciling its own um, legacies of coloniality. And I'd like to, I'd like to think that we're making progress in terms of um, creating a more inclusive um, curriculum and environment, you know, for, for Native American students. But there's a lot of work to be done. Like I've previously mentioned, one of the things that was changed was the university seal. But the university also launched a project titled the Digital Indigeneity Lab. It really involves students in mapping and learning about the map of Milwaukee and through the surrounding areas and where, you know, what are the Native American histories to these places, right? And so like the word Milwaukee comes from the Algonquin that means, right, like, a good place, no, and or a meeting place. Um, and Wauwatosa, for instance, means firefly, right? So so there's this this like natural history embedded in these place names mm. that I think uh, some faculty at Marquette have really drawn light to. And I think it's an ongoing effort. You know, we talked a little bit about why the importance of celebrating this day or honoring this day, or recognizing this day, but how does mm. celebrating it and honoring it help our community? Uh, well, I think it helps our community come together, and I think it, you know, it raises awareness around different, I think, perspectives, for instance, with relationship to the natural environment. So I know like with the Indigenous groups that I work with actively in South America, you know, the, the natural environment like Lake Michigan, right, is is alive, right? It's considered a vital part of our community. It's not just an abstracted notion of land, but rather there are sacred spaces in the land that need to be respected. And I think Native American communities in Milwaukee can bring awareness you know, to that perspective on the land that other you know, communities like myself or you who perhaps have you know, migrated to Milwaukee don't know about. That's such a great perspective. And I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. Something that I don't really consider at times. I recently went to the art museum for an event about spirituality and their artist muse. And a lot of the artists that spoke, you know, they all came from different backgrounds, connected nature um, as something spiritual. But uh, what would you say to those that maybe perhaps understand that we need to honor indigenous peoples, but aren't fully sold on why we need to replace Columbus Day? What would be your perspective? Well, I would say so Western knowledge systems are very much and capitalism are it's very much based on the idea of the individual right as the subject. So think about the fact that we for years had Columbus Day, right, which is in honor of one man from Europe. Yeah. And now we're celebrating Indigenous Peoples Day, right, which is recognizing the history of, you know, hundreds and thousands of people who lived and still live in the Milwaukee area that had discovered America long before, right, Christopher Columbus was ever a thought in the universe. So I think it's, and I, I, I really think Indigenous Peoples Day is, is, Day is about celebrating that collective identity, right? So what is it to think of a, a subject, a political subject that's from a collective, not from the individual? And that's how I, I think about just 
one way of looking at it, that this is a day to celebrate the diversity of Indigenous groups and languages that really make what the Americas are today, you know, what they are. And I would also like to just introduce the term Abiyala, right, which comes from the Guna um, Indigenous group in Panama and Colombia. And Abiyala is the term that Indigenous groups used prior to the establishment of the Americas for the territories that are the Americas. You know, Christopher Columbus, one, one man who'd been celebrated for so many years, I think it's time to see the other side of the, the history, which is the thousands of Indigenous groups that were they were already here. Coming up next, Tara and I will be speaking about her time in Bolivia and if our communities share a link and next steps Milwaukee needs to take beyond honoring the past. Do you want to know the secret behind the programming you love? It's all funded by the honor system. As a public radio station, we're based on a very simple model. We try to do something meaningful, connecting with you through music and stories. And then we count on those who appreciate what we do to show their support. Are you one of them? Show your support by visiting RadioMilwaukee.org and joining today. Thank you so much, Sarah, for taking your time to speak with me out of your busy day. I know you're currently in Bolivia for a sabbatical. What brings you there? Yeah, I mean, so I'm writing a book right now on um, an Aymara indigenous heroine. Her, her name is Bartolina Sisa. So in Bolivia, the two primary indigenous groups are the Aymara and the Quechua, also the Guarani. Um, And I have just been fascinated since I was an undergraduate in the diversity of indigenous cultures in South America and particularly in Bolivia. And, you know, indigenous indigenous peoples in Bolivia are are very contemporary and modern. Right. So you walk out the main street of La Paz, the capital, and there are women in bolleras, which is the traditional dress, right, of the Aymara peoples. And I just think that Bolivia has so much to or the indigenous population here has so much to teach the United States about persistence and resistance of indigenous peoples. I mean, the country is still over 50% indigenous and they elected their first indigenous president in 2005. So there's just a lot to learn about efforts of decolonization, right? Do you see any parallels between Milwaukee's community and here in Bolivia or is it like very like- Oh, absolutely, absolutely. In fact, I, with a group of other scholars around both South and North America, I'm in a group on global indigeneity, right? And thinking about what are the shared issues despite obviously particularities that define an indigenous group, what are their shared concerns? And one of the big, I think, questions again is going back to, you know, indigenous peoples have been environmental stewards, you know, for centuries. And I think they have so much to teach the West about conservation of resources and about reading nature's signs. How is nature trying to communicate with us? And that's regardless of whether you're in Bolivia or the United States. And again, I think also oral traditions exist right across indigenous communities. And you'll see some common motifs in different mythologies and histories. Even as close as I'm, you probably know, in Franklin, Wisconsin, there's 
the the Indian community school. And I think that they their pedagogy, you know, tries to incorporate both, you know, bringing nature into the classroom and bringing the classroom out into nature. And I think that that's a really nice model, you know, for thinking about different different types of learning. Yeah. Right? That, yeah, that's not just always uh, the subject in the classroom and nature is this sort of wild thing out there that we think about, but through a book. Well, right. what if we actually went talks, you know, to the tree? Um, but this also isn't to romanticize because, um, you know, I do think it's important to recognize that Native American peoples are also, you know, living in cities, right? Yeah, lot, lots to think about with that one. You know, I, I do have one final question. And it's been on my mind for quite a while, you know, since I went to the Oriental Theater to catch a film. And I noticed Marquette has done the same thing as well. What are your thoughts with land and water acknowledgements? Do you think it's helpful and necessary or do you see it as performative? Well, that's that's sort of the question of our era, right? I think land acknowledgements and water acknowledgements are a step in the right direction. However, they're really a piece of sort of theory, right? Or as you said, performance, right? So yes, we are recognizing on the webpage and we can perform a reading of a land acknowledgement at a public event. I think that's important because it does create a moment of pause and reflection. However, there's obviously a lot more behind, right? That water and land acknowledgement and that, that requires practice, right? And practice means that we are making kind of concerted efforts every day to be thinking about the way we are within our ecosystem and that we're making concerted efforts you know, to kind of check in with ourselves about maybe our blind spots you know, in the histories we've either learned at school or that we're teaching our students, right? To, to open, use those land and, and water acknowledgements for a conversation and for kind of a change in practice. How that actually happens is the work of all of us, right? That's, that's the work of um, the community and then not the Native American community, right? All members of the community. So it's a step in the right direction is the short answer, but there's a lot more to do beyond that, right? The same way with all of this sort of movement to bring down statues, there's been a lot of criticism of, well, what's the big deal? You take the statue out. And that's true. If you take the statue out and then that's where it stops, then it's not enough, right? Because um, it's very performative. But if you take that statue down and you change the consciousness of the public in that act, then that's really, that's what we're going for. A moment of pause and reflection to propel action and change in the right direction. I think with these changes coming in from different institutions, whether it's from our universities or our park systems, play a bigger role when all these elements are put together. A takeaway for me in this episode is the connection with nature, respecting our land and our water, and having a strong sense of self with those ties to create harmony. If you have a chance to step outside today, take that moment of pause and reflect. I'm your host, Salam Fatayer. Thank you, Danae Imig, our executive producer. Kenny Perez, our audio engineer. Thank you for our marketing team led by Sarah Lar. Graphics and our wonderful logo is made by Aaron Bagada. And Dan Ryder handles our social media accounts. And a big special thank you to our city-loving members for making Uniquely Milwaukee possible. Tune in next Monday for our next episode.